you know, if, if, as things green up a little early through the winter, November, December, yep. it might be a good time to, to go for it now to maximize the price they're looking for with less competition. Welcome to the All Things Real Estate Podcast with our very own Josh Barker. With more than 20 years of experience and over 5,000 properties sold, Josh brings a unique perspective to the real estate market. Let's get started. Okay, so looking at the, the numbers for last month, 229 closed. And wow. then a year ago, 278. But if we were to talk about like during COVID, right? And, and let's say in the middle of August of 2020, what was the sales volume looking like then? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Tell me, do you, do you remember? I remember being like in the mid 350 range. Wow. Yeah. So obviously <laughs> sales are off quite a bit. 45% is pretty much what we're seeing across the board. And a lot of that is because obviously interest rates went up and it really put a squash on a lot of people qualifying for mortgages, right? Right. So right. that's that's one thing to look at. The the other one was on the pendings. That kind of stood out too. This last month, they had a 218 properties that went pending um, here in the marketplace. And you go back a few years ago in August, it would have been close to 400. Got it. Um, so, you know, the, the buyer demand is definitely off. But because inventory is so low, you know, sitting at 680 units for sale right now on the MLS, that's a good thing for the seller. But you have to be priced correctly because most of these buyers can't afford, you know, what prices were, right? And and they're seeing it when when buyers are looking right now, they yeah. they can see when a property's overpriced. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's a, a tougher conversation, I'm sure. So I, I know we have some kind of like broad strokes about, um, you know, if you're sitting on the market and not getting sold. But let's just say like you have a house. It's been on the market for a month, and you've had a lot of showings, uh, but no offers. What what would that typically mean? It means we did a good job with the marketing. You're mm -hmm. close. You're close on the value. We're just not close enough. So we need to get a we we need to look at making a quick adjustment in order to draw that buyer. And it's kind of like fishing. You know, sweeten yeah. that bait a little bit. You know, we can see the fish in the water. But we haven't drawn that offer in. Right. So. so could you just drop the house price, you know, a thousand bucks or something and expect that to work? Or I mean you could, but we don't recommend it. Um it again, it's back to the process. We've we've done the thousand dollar reductions before and you're not changing the overall outcome that much with right. that small of an adjustment, you know. Well, let's let's use this for an example then. I mean, we don't have the specific property in mind, so let's just have a general conversation around it. But you've been on the market for a month, you've had a lot of showings, no offers. You know, what kind of a price adjustment would you be looking at? If you've had a lot of showings, we missed it by less. So we're looking at a less reduction. In that instance, I'd recommend about a 5% reduction. 5%? Okay. Yeah. And uh, let's say you're that same person, though, and you've been on the market for a month or more, and you haven't really had any activity at all. Uh, what would that mean? You missed the price by more. Okay. Uh, so we need to really get it get it closer to the right number. So yeah. we're looking at a 10% reduction. Okay. And it, and it obviously depends on the property, right? So if you have a really high-priced property with lower buyer demand, generally speaking, anyway, then obviously you're not going to be all that aggressive. Right. right? Every neighborhood's going to be different, you yeah. know, and we can really uh, find critique some mm -hmm. neighborhoods and take a closer look, Yep. you know? Yep. Um, kind of off topic, but uh, in the same vein, it's, um, I just had it pop into my head, so I'm just going to say it out loud. Um, pools. I've noticed over the last few years that swimming pools seem to be a lot more valuable than they used to be. Are, are you feeling the same way? Yeah, we've, we've been seeing pools draw in a higher price if it's got the pool more so than what we would typically give a value for exactly yeah so years past i mean I, if i went back you know five ten years ago i would say the average pool would increase value by about five percent mm -hmm. um, but what do you think it might be today 
I've seen really nice pools. I mean, the cost to put in a pool has gone up too. Yeah. You know, so the I'm sure the buyers weighing the options of well, shoot, it's going to cost me eighty to a hundred thousand dollars to mm-hmm. put a pool in. Mm-hmm. So if they can, you know, get a nice home and the pool with it, you know, they're they're looking at that that cost basis. Right. So it's probably you know closer to ten or fifteen percent. Wow. Possibly. That high. Wow, that's high. You know. Okay. Well, it definitely is costing a lot of money to put the pool in in the first place right now. You know, that's for sure. Right. Um, so a couple of things I was going to cruise over to is that I, I have this report. I, I've brought this up in the podcast before, um, but I, I have a report that gives me a couple of things. It puts all in one page. It gives us the median sales price for uh, Shasta County, which right now on this report, it's at, you know, as of today anyway, it's 397429 and then what it does is it gives you the appreciation. It goes backwards and tells you what it was over the years and then what it is now. I'm going to leave, I'm going to throw these numbers out to you. And I just want to see what your response is, okay? I'll do my best. All right. <laughs> so if I look at appreciation historically, if I go back over the last 63 years, which this report actually will do for you, it uh, the average appreciation was 4.95% over the last 65 years. Sounds really healthy. It does. And if you factor in for inflation, I, I mean, I'd be curious to see it. I don't have that to do today. But if we had a report that showed inflation over that same period of time, I'm kind of curious what it is. I know what the Fed probably typically targets, which I think is just over 2%. Right. Um, and if it was appreciating at 4.95, then it was outpacing inflation. Right. That's right? interesting. Um, the, the second one on that was the last 10 years. And the 10-year one is at 5.57. Oh, wow. Even higher. It is. And then the last one they have is for the previous five years from now, and it's at 7.24%. So it's creeping up even more. It's getting up there. Yeah, and it makes me think, because when I see that, I go, you know, I feel I feel like the, the amount of regulation that's coming into the new construction uh, market, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, the tougher it is for home builders to build, uh, the more expensive it becomes to build based on some of those regulations then it's causing the inventories to be thinner. Right, right. Right. I mean, you can't have as many units, right? And as a result, it's having inf- inflation is kicking up higher and higher in the housing market. And it's like, man, are we, we have to have either a pretty big disruption, I would think, on, on new construction and how it's built to bring that cost way down. Um, or we're going to have to have uh, uh, regulation back off a little bit. Um, or we're going to continue to have these really tight inventories, at least in the state. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Totally agree. I mean, the demand is strong, but if inventory can't keep up with that demand, we're going to see prices continue to go up. Uh, I think you're right. It's, uh, um, you know, the the pressure is there. And and, and unlike some other markets uh, around the country um, where they've already overbuilt, um, you know, we're just not in that situation. They have the projections on the same sheet for next year. they're projecting the housing values will appreciate by 6%. Uh, percent. Um, and then for the five-year, they have it actually as high as 26%. Hmm. So I don't know if I believe that or not, but man, that's that's crazy to even think about, that that, that, that the number's not negative or the number's not flat. It's still showing some compounding appreciation over time, um, which means that, I mean, I think everybody's waiting for, like, give us some reprieve, right? Interest rates are super high. Affordability feels pinched. You know, buyers are like, please give us some, give us some room yeah. uh, to feel comfortable purchasing, and it doesn't feel like there's any, uh, there's not going to be any release uh, or relief in sight. Right. This could be the dip you're looking for. This could be the the right moment to purchase a home, affordability wise. 
if, if this know. plays out, then I think you're right. Yeah. You know, it's something that we're gonna have to watch. Um, on this report too, this is another number that kind of popped out on me and I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting. But they have, um, on this report, what they try to do is they try to estimate what they call family formations. And this is where they basically say, okay, based on people that are going to either be moving out of mom and dad's house or, um, you know, breaking up with roommates and getting their own place or, you know, (laughs) those kinds of situations. Um, they have household formations at projected over the next 12 months at 2,254. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Here in Shasta County. Here in Shasta County. Okay. Uh, and of that, they are estimating that there'll be 1,440 first-time homebuyers. Oh, wow. So think about this. I mean, if, if, and I don't know if there will be or not, but let's just say there's somewhere between 4,500 and 5,000 uh, transactions this year, right. right? And how that works is there's always a buyer and there's a seller, right? So if you divide that in half, let's say there's you know, 2,500 properties that are sold. Mm-hmm. They're, they're saying on this report that potentially half of them might go to first-time home buyers, which I don't, I don't see that being possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, but what it does tell me, though, is that they're projecting a lot of people trying mm-hmm. uh, to purchase right now. And I think what, why the disparity is that existing homeowners are sitting on interest rates of 3 to 4%. Right. And so they don't necessarily want to go out into the market and purchase right now and relinquish that rate. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that we've kind of gotten, gotten away from that. that Yes. That segment, that move up buyer that we used to have right now is, is really slowed down because the rates are so high. So nobody wants to give up a three and a half percent interest rate to go jump into seven and a half or 8%. Right. And that might be where that number is showing up as they're saying, Hey, the composition of buyers, the volume is going to go down. And oh, and by the way, about half of those transactions will probably be first time home buyers. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if that number is true, that tells us as a company, we got to do a lot of educating. Right. You know what I mean? Because if that's the case, then then there's a lot of handholding. There's a lot of uh, education uh, and time that our agents have to put into, you know, helping our, our clients understand the whole process. Right. You know what I mean? Because right. when you're working with a person that's already owned a home and buying another one, um, not that you don't offer value to that person, but but because they've done it before. There's, they're, they're, you're kind of moving a little easier, you know, because yeah. everybody kind of knows what the roles are. Um, but for a first-time homebuyer, there's a lot of education that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this report, all of that I just said, 2,254 household formations, of which 1,440 first-time homebuyers, um, there's only projected to be 373 new homes built. Yeah, so inventory, it just yeah. won't keep up. Yeah, inventory won't keep up. We're definitely still a feeder market. You know, yep. we're seeing people coming up from down south in Central California. It's yep. still a very desirable place to live. Yep. And when you take take away the people moving up or upsizing or downsizing, you've got first time home buyers and those who can afford from other markets. Yeah. So when you're uh, negotiating your contracts, um, how many of those do you feel are coming in from outside of the area? You know, we were just talking about this yeah. last week. I was telling you, I'm seeing a lot of that, people moving here from other markets, and we're also seeing a lot of VA buyers right now. Yeah, those um, two. Yeah, those yeah. are kind of the two primary buyers right now. Yeah. If you were to uh, to do an estimate, and I won't hold you to it, Dan, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> but if you were to estimate, like, on your, um, on your listings right now, how many of those do you think are outside of the area on a percentage basis? Yeah, good question. I'm, I I would I would venture to say maybe 30%, 25 or 30%. That high. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty high. Um and of those uh that you're selling right now, how many what's the percentage do you think that are VA? 
right now, I'm. This is why it's impre- It sounds impressive to me too, but yeah. I think it's over fifty percent of my inventory is. Are you serious? Yeah, that high right now, pending. Fifty percent of what you have pending right now on the listing side. Yes, is going to be um, probably VA. Yeah, veteran. Yeah. How many do you have p- pending right now? I'm sitting right around 15, 16. So seven, eight of them are VA. Correct. Wow. Yeah. So everybody, I mean, it's not like you have two in escrow and one's VA. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you got a lot in escrow and half of them um, are actual VA. Correct. Yeah, that's, uh, well, that that's kind of a testament to, to the program too, right? So, you know, low money down or no money down. Yep. Um, and then a pretty favorable interest rate too. They get a, a really good rate yep. and no mortgage insurance. So there's, they're passing on the mortgage insurance. That's too. right. That's right. And then the loan amounts too. I mean, obviously they're not capped at the same as a conventional FHA either. So it gives them some flexibility there as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, we're, we're utilizing, it's a newer thing, but there's a form that we can use now that, that no longer requires us to get a termite clearance per se for the section one dry rot repairs and things of that nature. Let's talk about that for a minute. I'm going to grab a little bit of water here, but um, let's talk about this for just a minute. In years past, I can't tell you how many times I've had a property owner uh, tell me that they were concerned about accepting a VA offer, not because of the veteran, but because of the stipulations that might be put on the seller from VA. Like you have to have a section one termite clearance and a section two termite clearance when for those listening, not to get too um, uh, analytical on it, but section one, it would be active dry rot or active termites. That's right. And then section two would be items that could lead towards active dry rot or active termites, right? That's right. Um, and there might have been a few other things that, that would be more strict than an appraiser might call out using the VA. Now, that's changed a little bit. Now, so go ahead and say what you just said again. And, and now that people understand that, you know, in the years past, sellers were a little bit reluctant to do VA be, uh, or accept VA offers because of the concerns about, you know, the stipulations of the lender. There's a form. Tell, tell us about it. Yeah. So in, in in essence, we no longer have to worry about, you know, hey, are we signing a blank check? Because in a lot of cases, we might not have the inspection done already. Mm-hmm. So when we're accepting an offer, we're committing to go off the market to right. find out what are those repairs. Right. So it's it, there's a lot of unknown there, and it's it's risky to go off market for a period of time and not know what you're diving into. Sure. But now we've got this form, so we can basically say, hey, have you seen termites? You know, it's, it's far less likely we won't get this deal done. Right. Because we only need to sign off on termites alone. So just the actual termites just themselves. Just termites, yeah. So if there is termites, you'd have to kill the termites, get rid of those. Right, do a full house treatment. Yep. You know. And then sign this form that basically waives the Section 1, Section 2 clearance, and you can now sell the property that That's way. That's right. That's right. And you yeah. don't need to worry about the dry rot r- repairs, which in Reading, I mean, almost every home has dry rot. Yeah, sure. Somewhere, fascia boards or whatever. You know, yep. the sun's really hot in the summer, it peels up that paint, and then it starts to rain in the winter. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's right. So another report I have out here um, I want to bring up is just uh, the new construction report. I've talked about it already just a little bit, but... Um, this report here is from the city of Reading. And what they do is they put out a, a residential permit statistical report. This is a uh, month year to date. So it's going to be from the beginning of the year until now. Um, and it, this, unfortunately, the last time they've uploaded the city of Reading is in the end of July. Okay. And based on what the numbers I'm about to tell you, I, I wouldn't want to, to update it either. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Cause the numbers aren't good. We'll see. So, Let's uh, see. so year to date through July. 31 permits pulled in the city of Reading. To give you some context for it, if I go back one year ago, from January through July of last year, 123. 
Wow. So off wow. by a difference now, uh, year over year of 75%, uh, you know, cumulatively for the year. It's, it's just crazy to see that. Um, and there's only a handful of people that are actually pulling new permits right now at all. Um, this contributes, though, to that other report I was saying a few minutes ago where you're like, you know, the actual housing units estimated at 373 might be actually be high. Yeah. Those actually might not even happen. Right. Keeping um, the supply that much lower. That's just it. You know, and um, it's an interesting situation that I think the Federal Reserve has put itself in is that you've got, you know, people that are sitting on really favorable interest rates, uh, you know, fortunately, right, three, four percent on a home mortgage. Uh, from a few years ago, um, and they're reluctant to relinquish that um, because they have, if they do, they're going to have to take a 7.5% interest rate. Um, in many cases, they won't have a better home than they have now. In fact, I, I had a recently, I, we, we did some work on this, and uh, just looking, a lot of the buyers who purchased three years ago would not qualify to buy the home they're in today. Wow, that sounds right. Yeah. That's impressive. And Reading hasn't had that kind of situation happen for a long time. If you go into the Bay Area, that's happened a lot. You know, if you go down into L.A. or uh, San Francisco, uh, San Jose, Santa Clara, I mean, those folks that have been there a long time, they're all in that situation where, you know, their house is appreciated so much that they couldn't, you know, they couldn't rebuy the home they live in, right. you know, because they wouldn't qualify. But that's truly the case right now in Reading is that with that difference in the rate. So the Federal Reserve's got themselves in a situation now where really they're adding to the housing inflation because there's not enough new homes coming to market because of what I just said. Mortgage for, rates. For rate reasons, right? Yeah. And so if the Federal Reserve were to bring the mortgage rate down, all they'd have to do is buy mortgage-packed securities to do that. Um, I mean, the saying all you have to do is sounds pretty simplistic, but I mean, truly, if they decided to buy mortgage-backed securities right now at, let's say, 5%, if they did that, then if you were sitting on a mortgage at three and a half, you might go, oh, I might sell my house now and, and buy something else. One and a half percent is not the end of the world. You know right, what I mean? Right. But the Fed hasn't done that yet. And we're looking at pretty high interest rates right now. And so it's we're sitting there going, man, that the high rate environment is actually causing lower inventory, which is leading towards housing inflation, or at least keeping the prices up. Mm -hmm. What are your they, thoughts on that? They paused on the last rate hike. They, yeah, they, they did. took a pause. Yeah, they didn't raise the last time. Um, and right now you've got experts that are kind of, you know, right now I see a two different uh, views on this, right? One, one person saying that they think that they could raise it as many as two more times. Okay. And then I have other people saying, Hey man, the wheels are rattling. They're, they're not going to raise it anymore at all. Um, you know, so it's right now it's tough to call. I don't know where I see the wheels rattling outside of real estate. You know, that's yeah. interesting. Well, I mean, you have a couple of things like right now you have the strikes that are happening in Michigan, you know, the three big auto rate makers right oh, now are right. striking. That's going to have an impact fuel prices now. I mean, my, I have a, I drive a truck that uses diesel. I just pumped gas this weekend. I think I paid six thirty or six forty a gallon. You know, it's I not might, coming down. I don't know. <laughs> we might be at seven bucks by the end of the year, and so you know, though, and they they're gonna. This is all gonna contribute to to an inflationary market. You have student loans. Um, a lot of student loan payments are resuming now. Hmm. Uh, where these folks are now having to pay that three hundred dollar or whatever it is student loan repayment. Right. Um, right. And, and all of that sucks cash out of the economy. You know, so if I'm paying more in gas, that, that sucks more cash out. If I'm paying more in interest, that sucks cash out. If I'm paying more in student loans that I wasn't paying before, that's sucking cash out of the economy. So 
you know, we're looking at, you know, I would definitely say the tea leaves are pointing towards a slower market all, all together um, going into next year. Right. Right. You know? yeah. So, but we've been saying this for over a year now. We're like, oh, recession in, you know, eight months from now. But, you know, it's, it's not looking good. I mean, I would say 2024. You think yeah. we'll be there? I, I think there's a really good chance we could be there. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Which wouldn't be a, necessarily a terrible thing. I think, uh, and I've never saw the actual quote, but quote, but somebody told me that it was Reagan that said it, that a recession is when your neighbor loses their job. And a depression is when you lose yours. Oh, wow. That's, you know what I mean? That's heavy. Yeah, it's heavy, right? So, um, you know, if, if the job market starts to start to, you know, show some, some uh, weakness, I think it's going to roller coaster really fast. Right. Right. If you were to, you know, talk to a seller right now who is thinking about maybe waiting until, you know, the first part of next year before they were to do anything, what would, what would be your advice to that person? Yeah. Good question. You know, at the end of the day, I really try to dive into what their unique situation is and put myself in their shoes. Mm -hmm. So, um, just so I can have a better understanding of what their goal is, um, and in a lot of cases, I just try to show them their options now, and we don't really know what's going to happen next year. Yep. Um, but if if thing if all were to stay the same, I I kind of explain the way we're trending now, um, and give them the option to wait next year or you know go for it right now. Mm-hmm. But one thing's for certain: right now and through the winter season, inventory is lower. So anytime you have lower inventory, it means less competition. Right. So it could mean you know getting the price they're looking for now, especially if things are start to turn green. You know, yep. we always say, "You taught me this: green is free." So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, if, if, as things green up a little early through the winter, November, December, yep. it might be a good time to to go for it now to maximize the price they're looking for with less competition. No, that's good. Um, let me flip the table on you. Let's say that uh, you're a home buyer right now that's out there in the market and trying to navigate so many of the things that we just talked about. I mean, these are these are real things, right? Yeah. What would you say to them? Yeah, buyer looking to buy right now. You can also find really good opportunities because the sellers that are selling in the winter, they they have a, a good reason they're selling right now and not waiting till the spring. Mm-hmm. So you might be able to capitalize on a on a good opportunity. Yeah. That yeah. maybe wouldn't present itself in the spring. Yeah. No, that's a good word too. You know, and, and I kind of looking at that too. I'm like, gosh, if I was a seller right now, what, what, why would I sell? And if I was a buyer right now, what, why would I buy? And, and I think there's good, there's good reasons for both, but um, on the selling side, um, depending on, on, on what your plan is, um, if you were to sell your home now and relinquish that rate, it better be worth it. You better get the house you want. Right. You know, totally. Uh, agree. that would be one thing I'd say. Uh, on the buying side, and this part sucks, but it's like, you know, get, get into a home now because it, the, the tea leaves don't look good for the long term. It looks like, you know, the housing prices are going to continue to be pretty pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, even in a recessionary situation, that just means home builders are going to build even less, which means even tighter news around the inventory, right? That's right. The The bigger picture is if you if you have a rate now that's not all that favorable, um, this is good news, actually, is that uh, I was just reading in, a, in a, an economic report uh, projecting that there's a really good probability by the end of next year, rates will be below 6%. No kidding. Yeah. So that, that would that would give us a little bit of a runway for I think back so to too. some serious appreciation. That's right. And so if you're a home buyer and you buy right now with a higher price and a higher rate, and the next year uh, when the rates come down, if they do, now you're in a situation where you refinance to a lower rate, it goes back to the old saying that you marry the house 
but you only have to date the interest rate. That's right. Right. So you can, <laughs> you can adjust that later. So, all right, man. Well, Hey, thank you very much for your yeah. time today, Dan. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Josh. Thanks for having me. Oh, uh, my, my pleasure. Appreciate having you and everybody. Thanks again for watching the podcast and uh, we'll see you guys next month. All right. See you guys. If you're enjoying the all things real estate podcast, please feel free to subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts that helps others find the show. And we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode.